0: Praise God for His grace. Praise God for the hope that we have because of His grace. And we come to know His grace. We come to hear of His hope through His Word. And so let me invite you to open up the Word with me this morning to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. We're in Nehemiah chapter 7 today. And as we turn to Nehemiah, any kids that want to participate in a time of children's worship, Treehouse, they're welcome to be dismissed at this time and to gather outside in the foyer for the beginning of of that time with Mr. David and children's ministry leaders. But we're in a series here on Sunday mornings, uh, trekking through this book of the Bible. We're in Nehemiah. We've been walking uh, through this story, this text, chapter by chapter. And today we come to Nehemiah Chapter 7, and I want to share a message with you from that text uh, titled A City on a Hill. And so as you find your place in Nehemiah chapter 7, uh, let me invite all who are able, would you join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's word. Nehemiah chapter seven. We'll begin in verse 1. We'll skip around a bit, and we'll end up at the end of the chapter. The Bible reads this way: It says, After the wall had been rebuilt, And I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. I said to him, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint the residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials and the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. This is what I found Written there. These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, had taken captive. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah each to his own town, in company with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Remiah, Nahamani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispereth, Bigvi, Nahum, and Benai, the list of the men of Israel. And now down to verse 61 the following came up from the towns of Telmila Tel Harsha Kerub Adon and Emer but they could not show that their families were descended from Israel verse 64 they these searched for their family records but they could not find them and so were excluded from the priesthood as unclean verse 66 the whole company numbered 42300 and 60 besides were seven thousand three hundred and thirty seven male and female slaves and they also had two hundred and forty five male and female singers there were seven hundred and thirty six horses two hundred and forty five mules four hundred and thirty five camels and six thousand seven hundred and twenty donkeys some of the heads of the families contributed to the work the governor gave to the treasury one thousand derricks of gold fifty bowls and five hundred and thirty garments of priests. Some of the heads of the families gave to the treasury for the work 20,000 derricks of gold and 2,200 minas of silver. The total given by the rest of the people was 20,000 derricks of gold, 2,000 minas of silver, and 67 garments for priests. The priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the temple servants, along with certain of the people and the rest of the Israelites settled in their own towns. Would you pause with me for prayer? And, oh Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for being a God who is present, who is with us, who still speaks to us through your living and active word. So speak to us now, for we are listening. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. we may be seated. Today's text, this chapter, Nehemiah chapter 7, is about God's people shining as a city on a hill for the glory of His name. God's people shining as a city on a hill for the glory of His name. You know, it's it's tempting to read a text like this, I think, and and tuck it away uh, as uh, simply Old Testament, simply an Old Testament story, right? It's, It's helpful Background material for understanding our Christian heritage, our Christian history. As just background information reminding us how God providentially prepared for the coming of Christ our Savior to the city of Jerusalem. But even though ancient Israel differs from the church, set in a, a different era of salvation history prior to the coming of christ she's the precursor to the bride of christ as we know it she's the old testament church the company of god's redeemed set apart from the world as a city on a hill to be a beacon of light to the nations of the world in other words the god of israel is the god of the church and just as God gave these Jews that we're reading about here what they needed to know and to serve Him, so God gives His church what she needs to shine for His glory. God gives His church what she needs to shine for His glory. God invites His bride, His church, the people of God. He invites us and He calls us to shine as a beacon of light for the glory of His name. And He gives us just what she needs, what we need to shine For His glory. So, what does she need? What do we need? What does God give His people? How does He help the church become what He intends her to be, and what He and and do what He intends her to do? Well, first, I think we see here that God gives qualified leaders to guard His people against the enemy's attacks. God gives qualified leaders to guard His people against the enemy's. Attacks. We could outline this chapter, Nehemiah chapter 7, with three words that help us trace the flow of the chapter. Uh, Delegation, registration, and preservation. Delegation, registration, and preservation. So to begin with delegation, Uh, Nehemiah is the main character. In this story, he's the man in charge here, but he knows he can't do it alone, nor does God want him to. And so he tells us in verse two, he says, I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the city of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. And so we notice right here that God honoring character has always been the key qualification for leading God's people. We see this throughout the scriptures. We certainly see it when it comes to church leadership in the New Testament as we look at texts like First Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. And so Nehemiah says, I put these guys in charge. The wall's complete. The wall's been rebuilt. The gates are back in place. And I put these guys in charge because they worship the Lord and their character revealed that they were living for him and he says i I didn't just appoint these two guys to oversee the city but i also commissioned the gatekeepers the musicians and the levites to guard the walls why because even though walls are now up danger still lurks in the shadows Enemies beyond the wall, we've, we've been seeing that, we've been tracing that as this story unfolds. Enemies on the outside, but also compromisers inside the wall. And if God's city is going to shine for His glory, those who aim to rob God of His glory must be kept at bay. And Friends, the same remains true today in the church It's the elders or the pastors who are charged with guarding God's people against the enemy's attacks, which often comes, as we see in the word, via doctrinal error propagated by savage wolves who will not spare the flock. So keep watch and be on your guard, says Paul to the elders of the church. And you'll know this, we, we recently did a series, several weeks, four-week series on church leadership, on leading God's people, looking particularly at uh, what it, what it uh, looks like in the New Testament for the church to be led by a plurality of pastors or, or elders. And we've had conversations about that and just a bit of a, an update on that. Uh, continuing conversations are taking place with, with our board of trustees and key committee leaders in the church seeking the Lord together about what that may look like for us here at Meadowbrook Baptist Church, so let's be in prayer about that and look for an update on that soon. But in this story, right in, in Nehemiah, up until now, Nehemiah is the key character. Right? He, he's the humble yet wise leader responsible for restoring Jerusalem. But now he knows he can't do it alone. He can't do it alone. And what an important realization! For any man or woman of God to know that the kingdom of God doesn't depend on you or I alone. How good and right and free to know that the kingdom of God doesn't depend on Chris Jones. It doesn't depend on David Vaughn, It doesn't depend on Helle leaked Which is not in any way to make light of God's particular call on the individual But to say that even though God chooses to use each of us, even though God chooses to use sinners saved by his grace, none of us are indispensable for his purposes. And that's not in any way to make light of us, but to make much of our God. Now, Nehemiah knows this. He knows this. And so at this particular junction of the story, when it would seem right and it would seem appropriate to to praise his own accomplishments he puts others in charge of particular ministries perhaps others more skilled more gifted at the particular details necessary for the protection and the function of god's city and the same is true for every church of god today and so for nehemiah it was his brother hanani along with Hananiah, as well as gatekeepers, musicians and Levites, because whenever the people of God are in the presence of God, they're singing to God. In other words, the walls of Jerusalem aren't about protecting the city for the city's sake, but they're about proclaiming the glory of God for God's sake and for the sake of the world. God's up to something here. He always has been, and he always will be. God gives the church what she needs to shine for his glory. Qualified leaders to guard his people against the enemy's attacks. And God expects these leaders to know whom they're leading. God expects leaders to know those for whom they are responsible so delegation, verses 1, 2, and 3, and now registration it's the meat of this chapter. Registration, verses 4 and following, De- delegation, and now registration. I don't know if you, any of you have been in the UAB Hospital uh, parking deck on 4th Avenue recently, but I have for a few times to visit some folks, and um, there's this... And Incredibly neat thing going on there in that parking deck, a new technology that's been uh, implemented uh, with a little light that hangs down over every space in the parking deck that's meant to tell you if that space is open or not. So I, I think I'm getting my colors right. If, if it's open, the light's green. If it's not open, if it's occupied, the light's red. And so as you drive through the deck on the various levels, you can see each of those lights lighting up uh, the, the level. And in addition to that, there's a sign on each level as you begin to go up the parking deck that tells you how many spaces are still available in the deck. And even more specifically, if there are any spaces available on that particular level. Brilliant concept, but there's only one little problem with this thing. It's, it's not quite 100% accurate. I went through the deck just the other day and I began driving uh, around the corridor and noticing a a couple lights lit up green saying the space is open. And as I got there in anticipation, there was a car there in that space that somehow was not triggering whatever sensor it may be. And add to that, there's some construction going on in that deck. And so there are a couple sections that are closed off and yet they're still being counted in the total number of Available spaces. Now, brilliant, brilliant idea. And no doubt, I'm sure it's going to improve and be perfected. But the records are wrong. You see, Nehemiah 7 is about right records. About noting who's in. About answering the question, who do we have and how can we use them? Verse 4, now the city was large and spacious. But there were few people in it. And the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put it into my heart. Notice again that Nehemiah is giving credit to the Lord. So God gives him wisdom. So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. This record may be the one that Ezra pins and Ezra... Chapter 2, very similar to this list, or it may be another official record on which the two of them both are depending. Either way, the point is knowing who's returned and thus who's eligible to inhabit Jerusalem. And so that's what we're reading. Much of what we skipped over in this this chapter is the list of names and numbers of people from various families that had been exiled abroad and have now returned home to Judah. We can sort of imagine. We, we've heard about the situation in Ukraine just a few moments ago. And one of the things that we've recently heard is that many, many, many have been displaced and some of those have begun returning home. And those of us that aren't there can only imagine the situation in places to which they're returning home. The ruins, the, the rubble. The devastation as a result of, of war. And likewise here, the temple's been rebuilt in Jerusalem. The walls are back up. The gates are in place. But much of the city's still underpopulated and ruined from war. And even if the structures were finished, even if all the homes had been rebuilt, Nehemiah's not done. For the end goal isn't a place... But a people, a people who know the God of glory transformed by His amazing grace and shining as a beacon of light so the world will see and hear of Him. So Nehemiah is saying here to his leaders, he's saying, here's the people for whom you're accountable. And likewise, the same Lord tells the church today, Hebrews chapter 13, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. I think Nehemiah 7 is about leadership and membership. I'm convinced that Nehemiah's list of genuine Jews correlates to church membership today, recounting who's in, who's in the church of Jesus Christ because they've trusted in Jesus Christ. And those who've trusted Christ, becoming part of His body, the body and bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, join a local body as a sign of being in Christ, giving themselves to growth in Christian community under the leadership of qualified Pastors, so pastor, tend the flock. Tend the flock. Tend those, Chris, God has entrusted to you. Right? Know who they are. And as far as possible, get to know them, care for them, and look after them. And should we have other pastors, elders that come alongside in the future of this church, that would be the charge To those men. And likewise we see the same charge. I think to other ministers in the church today. To David and David and Kevin and Austin and John and Kelly. And deacons and Sunday school teachers. Jack. Jerry. Others. Tend the flock. Shepherd God's flock that is under your care. Watching over them. Not because you must. But because you are willing. As God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain. But eager to serve. And when it comes to registration, when it comes to registration, to, to knowing who's in, I think we've got to strike the right note here, which can be challenging. Because certainly there's, there's a brand of church quite popular today that suggests building the church is all about consumer experience. Our carefully planned visits, heavenly donuts and Starbucks coffee to go around and you know, I love those things thickly cushioned theater seats professional musicians gifts and giveaways Bible light talks Open membership if any membership at all and then there's another brand of Church that silently shouts the mantra us four and no more right One extreme says, please, please come in. We want you. We need you. And the other extreme says, please stay away. We're happy without you. And I don't think either brand rightly and fully reflects God's intent. The Bible suggests we're to know who's in. We're to know who's apart, while at the very same time welcoming others in. To know the church doesn't exist for herself, but first and foremost for the glory of her Savior. And second... For the sake of those who have yet to hear of him. Jesus once told a story about this. Jesus once told a story about his kingdom likening his kingdom to a great banquet. And you remember that story. The master invited many guests to the banquet. But they all made excuses for why they couldn't come. I've got work to do. I've got people to see. I've got plans to execute. So then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. May we be a people who join the banquet. May we be a people who respond to the invitation. May we be a people who enjoy the privileges of being the master's people saved by his grace while at the very same time inviting others to the master's banquet hall. Let's join and invite others to join the company of God's redeemed. Let's join and invite others to join the company of God's redeemed. Friends, this is why we go to Memphis and Ohio and Moldova And this is why we go to our neighbors looking for opportunities to tell them about the Savior's grace. And this is also why we do movie nights and block parties and fall festivals, praying and planning to give our community a glimpse of what God's done and what God's doing in the lives of His people in our own hearts. Church, you are the light of the world, Jesus said. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Jesus said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, the church is God's plan to reach the world. So let's trust that Jesus will use us. Simply sinners saved by his grace to reach the world. God gives the church what she needs to shine for his glory. And if we're going to shine for his glory, we best look different than the world around us. And this is where I think we come to the third theme of our text. Preservation. Delegation. Registration. Preservation. God calls his redeemed to be set apart from the world. He calls his people, his redeemed, those saved by his grace, the bride and body of our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls the redeemed to be set apart from the world, to be in the world, but not of the world. In Nehemiah's day, the nations could become God's people by becoming part of God's Jewish community. And in our day, the People of the world can become part of God's people by turning from sin and trusting in the Savior. You, you know this, we don't become part of God's people by doing good things. We don't become pure and right with God and forgiven of our sins and adopted into His family by doing enough good things, but by trusting in the provision of Jesus Christ. But once we've trusted Christ, the Spirit of God, begins transforming our hearts so that we become more like Christ. A changed life that reveals we know God. And to some extent, that's what's going on here in Nehemiah 7. Nehemiah 7 is a record of the true people of God. Some some were excluded because the record of their lives didn't demonstrate... They were the Lord's people. Likewise, the Scripture suggests that we too should preserve the purity of Christ's church by doing everything that we can to ensure that we don't give unbelievers a false illusion about their standing before God. The way that we do that is by constantly proclaiming the gospel of grace. And by expecting every potential member of the church to know and to believe the gospel of grace. In other words, make church membership matter. Make membership in a local church matter. Make church membership matter. We aim to make it matter But here by requiring prospective members to attend a starting point class where the gospel is front and center. Urging faith. In Jesus Christ over membership in the local church. Faith in Christ first. Membership in the local church second. But once you turn and trust Christ, commit yourself to his bride. Commit yourself to the body of Christ. Verse 73, our chapter ends this way. The priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the musicians, the temple servants, along with certain of the people and the rest of the Israelites, settled in their own towns so likewise, brothers and sisters, let's settle in. Let's be all in. Let's gather. Let's join. Let's serve. Let's sing. Let's go. Don't be a creaster. Right? You, You know what that is. Don't just attend church on Christmas and Easter. Don't be a pew sitter. Be a singer and a servant. Because you know the God we're singing about. The high king who became the suffering servant for sinners like you and I in need of a Savior. So brothers and sisters, settle in and shine the light of God's glory and His grace as a city on a hill that cannot, should not, could not, and would dare not be snuffed out by this dark world. Well, church, we're here. We're here, right here in Birmingham, but we're on our way there. This isn't our permanent Home, We're here, but on our way there to a new city, right? A new Jerusalem. Have you heard about it? Listen to what one of God's angels says about it. Listen to how an angel of God describes it to, to John, the apostle. He says, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried John away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed John the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And this John, who records this vision, goes on to say in Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, he says, I did not see a temple in the city, there's was no temple there because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Can you imagine this city? On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there, no darkness there, no danger there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, friends, I don't know about you. My, my name's not on Nehemiah's list. But friend, my name is on this list. The Lamb's list of all of those who've turned from sin and put their faith in Jesus the Christ. Are you on the list? Are you on the list? Are you in Have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your faith in Him? Join the list. Join the list. Join the list by looking to the Lamb. Looking to the Lamb of God who went to Calvary's cross for you so that you could forever shine in the presence of His eternal glory. Oh, Father, help us To fix our gaze on the Lamb. God, your provision for us. Your provision of a substitute who lived the life that we didn't and died the death that we deserve so that we could be fully forgiven of our sins. Cleansed now and forever and on our way to the eternal city, the holy city, the new Jerusalem in your presence forevermore. Oh God, draw us to you. Fix our gaze upon you. Lead us to delight in you, the God of glory and the God of grace. Lead us to sing. Father, lead us to celebrate. Lead us to share so that others will come to know the goodness of our God. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.